appreciate that. Hi, so it's a little bit of an unusual Sunday. I'm Pastor Brandon. Um, Kevin is actually over there speaking to the youth about um, how God created them as male and female. So we're praying about that. This was this was planned for Kevin to go over there and do that, um, but we didn't happen to know that uh, Jay Dangers was going to be with us this morning. Um, we've been supporting them uh, for many years. In fact, I wanted to share just briefly that when I was in high school and I had just come to know the Lord in this church um, in 1998, uh, one of the first missionary couples that came through town were Jay and Vicki. And I remember it blowing my mind from me thinking that my walk with the Lord was all about me and was all about uh, what God was doing in my life and me fighting sin and me trying to, and it, I, there was a lot of sin to fight and there was a lot that God needed to do in me, but it was a wonderful um, eye-opening experience that God wanted to show his love and to spread his gospel um, all around the world. And so uh, we've been with them for a long time and they've been doing the Lord's work for a long time. And Jay's going to show it, tell us about that and also uh, bring some passages of scripture to uh, remind us about those things. So why don't you guys welcome Jay as he comes. Jay Dangers. Good morning. Good morning. It's very good to be with you today. Uh, as Brandon said, uh, we've been uh, a part of this church in a way for many years. I think we first came here in 1996. So that's 27 years. A few of you aren't even that old yet. But... Um, and this church has been very faithfully supporting us, and um, we have really loved every time we have been able to come to this church. Uh, when we told our children that we were coming here, a couple of them said, oh, that's our favorite church. You know, when we would go around the country speaking, they always loved it when we came here, and some churches they didn't love as much. <laughs> so... Um, anyway, thank you for being such a warm and welcoming church, and thank you for the many years of partnering with us in the ministry that God has called us to. Those of us who go overseas cannot do the work we do if people like you are not here on this side supporting us. It's not possible. Um, my bank account is way too small for that. So thank you for standing with us all these years. Um, I hope none of you are in too big a hurry to leave. I was told I have till 3 o'clock. So <clears throat> um, uh, they say uh, give an American a cup of coffee, give a, an Englishman a cup of tea, and give an African a microphone. So, no, I, I uh, will be trying to let you out on time. I know some of you have football games to watch. So, um, <clears throat> um, my wife, Vicki, is here with me, and I wish my children could also be here, except that now that would be, there are six children and uh, four uh, in-laws and 11 grandchildren, so that would be quite a herd to... 
but uh, they do send their greetings and remember you fondly. Uh, since it, it's been a while, we, have, we were here last in 2016, and uh, I know that a number of you uh, have probably never seen us or heard about what we do, so I'm going to have a, a short video that will give you uh, a better understanding of what we're involved in, and then I'll talk more about it after that. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoy seeing it every time. It brings back so many memories. Um, as uh, was said in the, in the video, Psalm 68 verses 5 and 6 are very, very significant to us and gave us a strategy for caring for the fatherless children that God was sending to us. The passage says, uh, <laughs> I've said this a thousand times and all of a sudden I'm blank. Um, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. First it starts with the Father, but then God the Father sets the lonely in families. He doesn't set them in dormitories. He doesn't set them in institutions. He sets them in families. So that has been the strategy that the Lord gave to us over the years, and we have created family units with Ugandan uh, staff members as parents for these, the children that we bring in. And each of these families uh, has about four or five acres around their home that they grow their food on. You saw the oxen there um, plowing. So we train the boys in uh, the use of oxen. And you saw those oxen, there. their backs are about this high. And it's funny, sometimes you see them plowing and you don't see anybody using the plow because he's a little guy behind. Uh, but uh, yeah, they, they learn to do that and they grow most of their own food on their, their land there. They spend uh, a few hours each afternoon after school in the garden uh, working. So... Fatherhood is very, very important to us. Why? A couple reasons. First of all, God calls himself the father of the fatherless. And he calls himself the father. But secondly, because everybody and their aunt know that mothers are very, very important. But the world seems to have forgotten the importance of fatherhood. So we really emphasize that, not at the uh, exclusion of motherhood. That is absolutely critical as well, but most people know that without being told. So we really emphasize fatherhood, family, and uh, Christian education. We have uh, two primary schools. We have um, one secondary school, and then we also 
really emphasize Christian self-sufficiency. Now, I say Christian because it's not self-sufficiency without God, but under God, he does call us to be uh, active, to, be, to work with our hands, to, to provide for ourselves. And so this is what we are teaching the children to do as we educate them and disciple them. We have two children's centers. One is the main one that you saw uh, in the video. That's Kasana Children's Center. And that was our first one. It's our biggest one. Uh, we have, uh, I don't know, 400 children there or something like that. And, but the other one is on the other side of the country. And it was initially started uh, in about 2005 because there was a, a war. I, some of you may have heard about the invisible children, the rescued children. Uh, there was a madman, a demoniac, who was, had created his own army and was recruiting uh, soldiers for his army by abducting children uh, as young as eight years old and uh, turning them into soldiers, turning them into killers. But when they were rescued, uh, they were not the same children that had been abducted. They were dramatically traumatized and changed. So that children's center was set up specifically to work with those children. But as all children do, they grow up. And so those children are grown and gone. Other than two of them, we ha do have two of them, former soldiers, that are part of our staff at uh, that children's center. And <clears throat> so now we're caring for children there who have been orphaned uh, for other reasons. Often it's... Uh, AIDS or just broken, the brokenness uh, in the family structure. So there are many, many children that are, actually they say there's about two million children in Uganda who are fatherless. And uh, that doesn't count the fathers who are alive and well and providing, you know, sending their kids to school and so on, but are not involved in their children's lives. These are ones who are either dead or completely out of the picture. So um, over the years, the Lord has enabled us to uh, start a special needs program. For years, I never saw a special needs child in Uganda. They just weren't there. And so I didn't even think of that. But then we got a few and began working with them. And when the word went out that we take care of special needs children, suddenly there were many of them. But uh, in the culture there, the children who have special needs, uh, depending on the, what the need is, but many of them are looked at as... Um, a curse. 
and nobody wants to put their curse out in front of their home, so you, they put them behind and you never see them. And so they were suffering in the background uh, without our knowledge, but uh, now we have a thriving special needs program and you saw some of the kids there. Uh, it went pretty fast, so I don't know if you missed it, but we did have, there's one uh, girl I would like to tell you about. She came to us uh, about eight years ago, I can't remember exactly, but her name is Alan, and she, when she came to us, she was a tiny, shriveled up little thing. Uh, her arms were always in and her legs were always up, and she was always in pain. She was always crying or groaning, and she was miserable. Uh, she had cerebral palsy. I don't know what else she may have had, but um, the mother didn't know how to care for her. And so, uh, you know, she wasn't eating well. She was, she was miserable. But uh, a few years ago, we watched her walk on her own. I mean, there was a helper nearby to help, but she was walking on her own. She's not crying anymore. She's happy. She's healthy. She still has a lot of special needs issues in her life. Cognitively, she's pretty low, but she's happy, and she's able to do a number of things for herself that she would not have been able to do if the Lord hadn't enabled us to have this uh, special needs program that she is a part of. So, as you can guess, uh, the fatherless and the orphan are very dear to our hearts. So I have a question for you, and I would like a show of hands, if you will, please. I would like all those of you who have been adopted to raise your hands. May I see your hands, please? Okay, I see a few over on this side, and one here, and my wife just raised her hand. Um, my wife's father died in 2005, and her mother is still alive, so why do you think my wife raised her hand? Because it's a trick question. <laughs> Actually, I hope that every one of you have been adopted. Uh, that in a crowd this size, there probably are a few of you who still haven't been adopted. But my prayer is that you will also be adopted. So with that, I would like us to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1. And we will start from verse 3. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. I love this passage. I love the way it, it begins. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because of the way he has blessed us. Because before the foundation of the world, when there was nothing, God chose you. If you are saved, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world, you were chosen. You didn't find Christ. He brought you to the Father. He made you acceptable for adoption. And then he brought you to the Father. It's beautiful. He predestined you in love before the foundation of the world. Why did he do this? Because it pleased him to do this, to adopt you. Now, for those of you who have your own children, you didn't choose your children, right? You got what you got. And you are obligated to care for them because they're yours. You brought them into the world. You take care of them. Well, we have a granddaughter named Elizabeth. And she is uh, 11 years old now. She was adopted by our oldest daughter, Jenny, when she was eight days old. Jenny, at that time, was single. She's recently gotten married, but uh, she was working with us there as a single woman. And she, one morning, she was praying, and she just felt, Lord, I feel like I'm too comfortable. I feel like... I need you to stir things up and call me to do something that is out of my comfort zone, a new challenge. And right away, the thought of adopting came into her mind. Now, she had wanted to adopt for many years, but she thought, I can't adopt. I'm single. I have to get married first, then I can adopt. But, but this thought of adoption wouldn't go away. And over 
a period of time, she finally uh, was convinced that the Lord was do, answering her prayer and was stirring her up to do something that was out of her comfort zone and uh, something that would stretch her in new ways in him. So uh, she, she began the process of you know, doing all the paperwork, et cetera, to be able to adopt. And she kept looking for a child, but she couldn't find a child. But nine months, note, note the number nine, Nine months after she prayed that prayer, Elizabeth was born. And so when Elizabeth was eight days old, she was brought. And Jenny had a choice. When your child was born, you didn't have a choice. But Jenny had a choice. She did not have to take Elizabeth, but she wanted to. She chose Elizabeth. She said yes to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is now part of the family as much as if she was born in the family. No difference. Now, she doesn't look like the rest of us, or most of the rest of us, our, our daughter Jenny did marry, and she married a Ugandan, so he and his, he had two children already. So those children look more like Elizabeth than we do. Uh, and now Jenny and Dennis have, have had a, a baby of their own, and he's halfway between. <laughs> It's funny, the, the Americans say he looks black, and the Ugandans say he looks white. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, back to Elizabeth. She's a beautiful young lady, beautiful, uh, and very precious, very dear to us. But she was a choice by Jenny to bring her into the family. And you are a choice by God. He chose that you be his child. If you are his child now, it's because he chose you and he sent his son to die for you so that you could be forgiven for your sins, so that you could be raised from the dead to new life in Christ cleansed, made holy, so that you could be adopted by the Father. And that is what you are, a child of the Father, if indeed you have come to know Christ as your Savior. So, but uh, adoption is a process. As I said, <clears throat> um, we were chosen and predestined before the foundation of the world. But we weren't adopted before the foundation of the world. We were predestined for adoption. <clears throat> Forgive me, I, I drink a lot of water. I had uh, cancer 
in 2018, and I, I have certain problems. So um, I'm fine other than, you know, just a little bit of problem here and there. Um, so it's a, it's a process. The choice was made. The predestination was done. But then uh, several things had to happen, including Christ coming, dying for us, etc. And then you had to be born. And then eventually you were brought to the Lord and you were adopted. But what was your state before you were brought to the Lord? I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2 because this is a very unflattering description of you and me and the one sitting next to you. He says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That's not very flattering, is it? Dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? That's Satan. And you were a child of wrath. You deserved the wrath of God. You may not have been as wicked as whoever, but you, because God is so holy, so righteous, so pure, the contrast between him and you was infinite. So you deserved wrath, but, and I love that transition. In verse three it ends, and you, were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now this says that he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. By what standing do we sit enthroned beside Jesus? It's our adoption. It's our sonship. That is what allows us to be lifted to this position of being with Christ before the Father. <clears throat> so, 
over the years, we have had many, many children go through uh, the ministry, through our care, thousands. And so there are thousands of brothers and sisters of yours in Uganda because of the partnership that we have had with you. As I said earlier, those of us who have been sent cannot go without people on this side supporting. It can't be. So you have had a part in this, and I want to tell you you have many uh, siblings on the other side of the world. Uh, someday you will meet them. In fact, uh, we could uh, arrange for you to meet some of them soon. We do want to take a team from this church uh, next year sometime, and we've been talking to Brandon and, and Pastor Kevin about that. Uh, we, we would like to have a team from this church so that you can go and see and meet some of these uh, siblings of yours on the other side of the world and to participate in the ministry. Uh, we, we have a variety of things that we need on that side. Uh, anything from construction to help with special needs to IT work, just a variety of different things. So don't think that just because you aren't specifically called to whatever, uh, that you, there's nothing you can do. Um, give us your name and we'll talk and uh, see what, what God might enable you to do practically on that side, whether it's for two weeks or two years or two decades, uh, there are things that can be done. So, um, let me tell you uh, of two of your siblings. I wish I could tell you about many more, but their three o'clock would come. <clears throat> so, Um, the first one I'll tell you about is a young lady named Zamzam. And Zamzam is now uh, nearly 30. I don't know exactly how old, but she's getting older. She came to us when she was about 12 years old. Uh, how many of you think you come from a big family? Can I see your hands? None of you? Okay, one, a few back there think they come from a big family. <clears throat> Not this big. She was the 48th child out of 50 of her father. Not her mother. <laughs> uh, the father had several wives. I don't know how many. And uh, he was Muslim. And they 
according to their custom and religion, are uh, allowed to have a number of wives, so he did. And, uh, but then he died, and it was, um, it was not safe for Zamzam to remain with her, near her siblings. They could get her married off. Uh, you know, her older brothers could just marry her off to someone, even at 12 or 14 years old. Uh, so it wasn't safe for her to remain there. And her mother didn't have a good way to care for her. And on top of that, Zamzam is extremely hard-headed. And her mother could not control her. She was just completely out of control. She's a brilliant young lady, very intelligent. But uh, she was out of control, and so the mother brought her to us. And so she was moved into one of the families. Uh, and it happened to be a family that our daughter Jenny was very closely associated with. And so she got to know Zamzam very well. And Zamzam, you know, she heard the gospel and she was sort of interested, but she had her questions. And nobody was going to tell her what to believe. She was going to believe if you could answer all her questions. And so Jenny spent many, and other staff members spent many hours uh, answering questions and talking things through. Eventually, Zamzam did come to the Lord uh, when she was uh, about 10th grade. So all the way from uh, primary school to, to about 10th grade is how long it took to convince her that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, etc., <clears throat> so then she believed. But her hard head did not change overnight. And uh, eventually Jenny brought her into her own home. Uh, and so she was living with Jenny when, when Jenny adopted uh, Elizabeth. And um, it was, it was a hot, cold relationship between Jenny and her. As I said, she was still hard-headed even, even though she was saved. And, uh, but I also said she's brilliant. She finished medical school uh, either at the top of her class or near the top of the class having been the president of the student body, which is a far more demanding job than anything I've ever heard of in the US, for four of the five years. The, and her classmates said, we don't want any other president. Only Zamzam can do the job. And she did it and passed with flying colors. Then she worked for a couple of years as a doctor and then she got a scholarship to go to Egypt to study surgery. She, uh, she always wants to do something more. And 
this opportunity opened up and she was on her way. So that's where she is now. She fin has finished her first year of neurosurgery in Egypt. And uh, she's, she's quite a lady. Um, but this is one of your siblings. And I don't know if you'll meet her uh, in this life or uh, in the future, but someday you will meet Zamzam, uh, one of your sisters. Then uh, there's a young man, well, he's middle-aged now. Uh, his name is Paul. He, <clears throat> he was one of our earliest children. He and his, uh, most of his siblings had survived the war, <clears throat> that, uh, the Bush War that the video talked about, that ended in January of 1986. <clears throat> and uh, his name was uh, Paul Nyabenda, which, which means the ninth. Now, not the ninth generation of Pauls, but the, um, the ninth child in the family. And then his younger brother is Machumi, which is the tenth. And then they had a sister also. She wasn't named the eleventh. She was uh, Ana Maria. So anyway, um, the three of them came. They had survived the war, but then their parents both died of sickness. And then their two older sisters died also, and the three of them were on their own. So they came, I think Paul was about 14 years old uh, at that time. So uh, he, he hadn't been to school, so he had to get all of his schooling in starting at about 14. Paul um, eventually came to the Lord. Uh, he was also in, in high school when he really came to understand God as his father, not just a general father, but his own father. And that was a huge turning point in his life. Now Paul is married, and he has uh, how many of his own? Four of his own, and he has adopted two fatherless children uh, so it's exciting to see the orphan becoming a father of orphans. And uh, so uh, he's married. Uh, he was on staff with us for a number of years. Now he has moved on. He had a real vision for planting a church in a difficult place. So he chose the most difficult place that he could was aware of, it wasn't too far away, about uh, five miles from, from our Kasana site. And he w moved there with his wife. They didn't have children yet. And they began the, the work of starting a church in a very, very difficult village. It was known for its witchcraft and Catholicism, and I, when I say Catholicism, I don't mean 
I know that there are some Catholics who are genuinely saved. They believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. These people is just religion, it's just ritual, and it goes very nicely with their witchcraft. So um, it was a hard, rocky area to plant a church, and it took a long time. But now he has a growing, thriving church in that community and has really brought light into that area. But it's not just uh, that. He has planted another church uh, with a pastor that he raised up, and he is now a pastor of pastors. I think there's got to be at least 30 different pastors who look to him as a pastor. And he and uh, some of our former staff members have started a pastoral training program. And so they're training many pastors uh, in different districts of Uganda. And it's, uh, it's exciting. So that's another one of your siblings that uh, you'll, you'll meet sooner or later. So uh, I want to also tell you of another way that you can be involved other than coming over to Uganda, and that is through sponsorship. We really have a lot of children that we need sponsors for, and uh, really pretty much all ages, from little people to uh, people that you would say, why is that person on your child sponsorship? They're in their early 20s. Well, there are several reasons, and uh, first of all, we don't have a cutoff. At, you know, when you've reached 18, you're out of the program. Uh, you're out of the family. Because what our goal is, is to raise men and women who are really fully ready to stand on their own. And uh, because of... <clears throat> because of the fact that some of the children, like Paul come to us at 14, having not had any schooling yet, uh, it takes them a lot longer to, uh, into their older years before they have finished, sometimes even primary school. You can have 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds in uh, elementary school. Um, and then also with this COVID thing, all of Uganda lost two full years of school. They, they didn't have this online business. So they lost everything for two years. So that has been very difficult as well. Some of those children on our program were uh, even going into university and then all of a sudden they can't finish. So if you are interested in, say, a sponsorship for a few years, you could sponsor one of these older ones because they will be off the program fairly soon. Or if you want a long-term relationship, uh, then you can choose one of the younger ones. Also, special needs. We need a lot. Special needs are expensive. They're worth it, but they're expensive, and it, it really... 
uh, is a need that we have. So please pray and consider that. And you can give your name to us uh, or to Brandon and the, the leadership here at the church. Uh, but we, we would like to talk to you about some sponsorship opportunities. So with that, I, I guess I won't keep you till 3 o'clock. Um, thank you again for, for being a part of what God is doing through New Hope Uganda in Uganda. Uh, and pray about coming short-term, long-term, and pray about sponsoring a child. And let me pray for you now. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for each person who is here today. For those who are your children, those you have adopted. Lord, bless them. And I pray that this time that we've had together will be an encouragement to them and a reminder of just how richly blessed we are who are your children. And Father, for any who are not yet adopted, I pray that your spirit of adoption will be upon them and that you will draw them to yourself and that you will open the eyes of their understanding, that they will see their need of you and their need to be a child of God. Lord, I ask your blessing on this church and on the leadership of this church, and I commit them to you and to your care. In Jesus' name, amen.